whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but he know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. If you could bow your hearts with me, Father. Lord, we just ask right now, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit has liberty to touch, hallelujah, to deliver, to edify, to bless, Lord, that you will fill this atmosphere right now, Lord God, hallelujah, to break every chain, hallelujah, to let our ears be attentive to your words. We thank you right now for all that you're doing, for your presence and your anointing, and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give one more praise offering to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Turn to your neighbor and say, the spirit of truth. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. There will be children's church if you have some children who are two, two years and above and would like to go downstairs. We'll be having a little children's church for them, so give you a little bit of a break. Amen. As I said, the setting for John 14 was in the upper room. As I said in Sunday school, he had already washed the disciples' feet. Judas had left, and he was beginning to explain to them that he was going to leave them. And of course, they had been with him for three and a half years, and now they're getting the news that the center of the group, the leader, is going to be gone. And they were very troubled. As I said, that's why twice in this chapter he says, let not your heart be troubled. Yes, I'm going away, but it's for a reason. It's to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you can be also. And he starts to tell them about the replacement that he's sending. That is with them, but is going to be in them. Amen? And the thing about what he is telling them is he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. And in Sunday school, we discussed this. So if you had been in Sunday school, you're going to hear a little bit of the same. Amen. Today, one of the greatest dangers we face as children of God is deception. Deceptions come in many guises. It can be in relationships. It can be in ambition. It can be in supposed biblical revelation. Some of these deceptions can be large. Some of them can be very small and seemingly harmless. But you know what they all do? They are a distraction. That's what they do. They take us away from the focus and center. They steal our time. Facebook, Netflix, these are distractions. They are some of them deceptions. They might be something that you think it's harmless, but you know they're always taking our time. And these distractions take away our focus and put us to sleep. It puts us to sleep. You know when the dentist or doctor is going to do something, you know what they want, and it's going to be painful, you know what they do? Come on now, you all know. They put you to sleep. When the devil wants to do something to you, you know what he's going to do? He's going to try and put you to sleep. The real truth of what we should be doing, the real truth of where we are, the real truth of where we're supposed to be going, the real truth about what God wants us to do, the real truth about the purpose that we have been called for. All of those things have been dulled, have been hidden from us. 
the real truth of a deeper relationship that we should be having right now as the time runs away. But you know, this was predicted. In Matthew 25, verse 5, it says, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. You know, if you sit me down in a real quiet room right now, it probably wouldn't take much. Just be quiet for about five minutes and I would probably be out. You know what? The devil has us so busy and so stressed and so strained that we are focused and everything is a distraction. We're not really awake. The Bible says that both the wise and the foolish were all asleep. As I said, when the dentist wants to do something painful to you, he puts you to sleep. The devil wants to do something painful to you. You know what he's doing? He's putting you to sleep. See, people are looking for something to, to excite them. They go on uh, YouTube to find some new revelation, some new shiny bright thing. Look over here. Seeking revelation from YouTube. I saw something on Facebook that said, let AI be in your church. <laughs> Man, that was fast. Some are going to be seeking salvation from politicians. And they put their God in political saviors. See, some think that, that it's all about some new revelation, some great, great uh, thing you, you find out. But I'm trying to tell you that our focus should be on one thing. He must be born again. People keep tracing, chasing new revelation and it's great to understand all these things, but in the end, it's not going to save you. As I said in Sunday school, some people are chasing miracles and signs. In Luke chapter 11 verse 29, when Jesus was talking about this, he says that an evil generation, they seek a sign. And there shall no sign be given it, but the sign of Jonas the prophet. What he's saying, you know, the only thing that you're going to have to, as a real sign, is my death, my burial, and my resurrection. If that's not good enough for you, you're going to be in trouble. Jesus was trying to tell us something. Stop seeking things that are distractions. You need to go after the spirit of truth. You need to seek what is the core uh, basis for our salvation. And I said it in Sunday school. He told Nicodemus, he must be born of the water and you've got to be born of the spirit. Everything else is not going to be that important. You know, my mortgage ends in 2050. I'm smiling about it. Because I'm not intending to pay that. I believe Jesus will come before that. They can have everything I have if he comes. See, we need to return to the truth of the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 verse 37. What we should be doing is asking this. When they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? If you knew Jesus was coming next week, that's what you'd be asking. What can I do? Do I have everything ready? Am I prepared? Am I looking for his coming? Or have I been distracted? Am I asleep? Am I worrying about school? Am I worrying about the job? Am I worrying about a relationship? Instead of focusing on what we have been called. All of these is putting us to sleep for the devil to put some real hurt onto us. See, people like to preach their ideology. Some like to preach out of context 
the wrath and judgment of God. Some like to preach the mercy and grace of God. All out of context. They treat God's word as if it's a buffet. I like this part. Ah, I'm not going to eat that. When they come to church, they pick what things they pick up on, what things they amen. But I'm telling you that you're going to have to eat the whole book. You're going to have to eat the whole book. People are losing what the understanding of truth is. And they think that partial truth is truth. In John chapter 18 and verse 38, Pilate asked that question, what is truth? And it always shocks me when Christians ask that question. If you're filled with the Spirit, that's not a question you should be asking. What is truth? The Bible says when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will what? Lead you and guide you into all truth. That means you're not listening. Amen. You're not following. You're not doing. You see, the dictionary, as I said in Sunday school, gives a, a very nerdy definition of truth. And there's all kinds of different kinds of truth you may, may not have thought about, but there are physical truths. Water is wet. You know, that's a truth. It may seem an obvious truth, but it's a truth. And then there are other physical truths like fire is hot. You learn that when you're about three and your mom says, don't touch the stove. And you see the child still looking at the mother and still going towards the stove to see what will happen. Aren't we so stupid? <laughs> you know, we still do that as adults. The preacher says, don't touch the fire. And you're looking at him and you come every Sunday and you're still going like this. See, there's all kinds of truths. There's logical truths that we don't even realize, like one and one is two. That's a logical truth. There's mathematical truths, like the area of a, of a circle is pi r squared. I don't know where I remembered that. But there are truths that are of definition, like all bachelors are single. That's a truth, right? Or love has got to be a free choice. God will not force you to love him. That's got to be a truth that you come to know yourself. The thing about truth is, the definitions I told the Sunday school, I'm teaching Sunday school again, is that the real definition of truth is that true truth will give you knowledge. True truth informs, truth enlightens, truth shows you light in darkness. If you were to close your eyes and start from that end of the room and try and get to the other end of the room without the truth of your eyes, you'd be bumping into things. You understand that when we lose truth spiritually, you know what happens? We bump into things. That's exactly what happens. When we are deceived, we bump into things because truth is going to give us warning. Truth is going to show us. That's what the Holy Spirit says, that he will give us Tell us of things to come. If you're not being told of some things to come, maybe you're not listening. Getting real silent in here. See, your eyes are a form of truth, but it's not the whole truth. The, the prophet's servant saw the armies around him and he said, boy, we're outnumbered. We're in trouble. And the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes. He was only seeing some truth. He wasn't seeing God's truth. Many times we think we're surrounded and we're done for and it's hopeless. But if God would open our eyes, if we would stand on faith, if we would understand that we have a comforter, a spirit of truth that is going to guide us and lead us into all truth, 
when the prophet prayed and his eyes were open, he saw that he was surrounded by hosts of heaven. Sometimes all we have to do is ask God to open our eyes so we receive his truth. You know, that's why when you go to court and they make you affirm, they say you have to tell the truth and the whole truth because the devil will only tell you partial truth. He'll make it sound so good. He'll, he'll make it sound so believable. And that's the danger. It's when it almost sounds believable. When it almost sounds right. The thing about truth is it enlightens. It brings light. It opens doors. It lets you see what's going to happen. Psalms 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and thy light unto my path. When God gives you the spirit, he's supposed to give you some knowledge, some discernment, some things that you should learn not to do. Yes, the fire is hot. Hellfire is hot. You don't want to be touching that one to find out that that is true. The spirit is supposed to lead and guide us. John seventeen seventeen says, sanctify them through thy truth. Because as I said in Sunday school, truth is going to separate I heard a preacher yesterday, and he was saying he was of the Presbyterian confession. And I really hadn't really listened to what that meant, so he decided he was going to inform me and tell me what that meant. And he said he was of the cessationist uh, group, whatever that is. And he explained, he explained that means that they believe that the work of the Spirit, as in the day of Pentecost, is finished. He's not doing any more miracles or any more uh, signs uh, of that kind. And I, I was just saying, wow, isn't that terrible? Because this Holy Spirit that is, I have has done some miracles for me. He has done some signs for me. He has done some deliverances for me. He has saved my life so many times. And he has given me grace. He has given me mercy. He has given me love. He's given me deliverance. He's given me salvation. He has some kind of wrong truth there. I don't know what you call that. Cessationist is what he calls himself, and I don't know what to call him. But it ain't truth. Because that's not what the Bible says. Greater works than these. I want greater works. I want to see God's fullness fulfilled in my life. I want to see God's fullness fulfilled in everyone that's here tonight. This afternoon. When we come with the spirit of truth, we'll see light. John chapter 3 verse 20 says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth light. See, Satan's deception is all about darkness. It's all about partial knowledge. It's all about false knowledge. When you have truth, you can walk in the daylight. When you have truth, you can walk without fear. But when you don't know what you're doing, you're always bumbling. You're always running into things. The Bible says we need to walk in the light as he is in the light. First John chapter 1 verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. When you have nothing to hide, you don't have to work out your story. You know that? You don't have to work out your story. You just have to speak because all you're going to tell is the truth. When you have something to hide, you've got to kind of work out your story. Okay, I've got to make sure I don't say that or else they... You know, my mother was one of them people you, you couldn't hide anything from. She would know exactly what question to ask the moment I gave her an answer. Because I was trying to be cute and not tell her a lie. 
But the moment I gave her an answer, she would immediately start to ask the next question. And before, before, before it was all over, I might as well have just <laughs> held my hands up. See, before God, we are naked. You see, you can't deceive God. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship. One of the things that God wants is truth in our inward parts. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. There's a lot of places have a lot of spirit, but they lack a bit of truth. A lot of places have a lot of truth, but they lack the spirit. You need both. Amen. You got to worship him in spirit and in truth. Any relationship that's going to survive needs truth. No matter if it's a marriage relationship or a friend relationship, whatever relationship it is, it's not going to survive if it doesn't start and end with truth. When we are honest with ourselves, we're being honest with God. But when we're dishonest with ourselves, guess what? We're being dishonest with God. Because the Bible says that it's the spirit of truth. Psalms 51 verse 6 says this, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David, when he had sinned, he didn't try and do like Saul and say, Honor me before the people. He said, Create in me a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. We can't come before God any old how and think we can pull the wool over his eyes. He knows our thoughts. He knows our uprising and our down-sitting. David understood this because it's called the spirit of truth. Purge me with hyssop, verse 7, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. See, what happens when we're not in truth is we are not in faith. When we're not in truth, we cannot be in faith because we won't come to God with a right attitude. We can't pray in faith if we're not in truth. Psalms 86 verse 11. I'm quoting the word here so you don't say it's me. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. God is always about truth. His word is truth. Hallelujah. Going back to where I started in John 14. As I said, Jesus is trying to calm their fears. And you can imagine the scene because they know that he is about to be arrested or that they think that he's going to be arrested and they with him. And he's telling them, listen, I'm going away, but listen, I'm going to send you something better. And they can't believe it. They can't understand it. But when the spirit of truth has come, it will bring what? Things back to your remembrance. And as I thought about that and I heard this preacher say, people say, well, how can the New Testament be accurate? They didn't write it for 20, 30 years after the events. And then he pointed out this scripture that I can imagine Matthew getting the scroll and starting to write the book of Matthew and John getting his scroll and starting to write the book of John. And then the words start to come forth out of their spirit. And they're wondering, how could I remember all these words that Jesus said? Blessed 
are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are men when you, when are, you are despitefully used, because so they did to Jesus. When they start to write all of the words that Jesus has given them, and it's perfect. You know why? Because the spirit of truth. He will bring back to your memory all the things. It's because of that that sometimes I forget what God has done. When we have a visiting missionary and I take him out and I start to tell him the history of the church, it starts to shock me. I start to remember all the miracles that God has done, the amazing things that he has done, the the above and exceedingly wonderful things that he has done. See, God says that what we have received is the spirit of truth. And if you have received the spirit of truth, then it's supposed to guide you into all truth. It's supposed to show you things to come. You know, when you go into a dark room and you turn on the light, it shows you the things that are in the room. When you receive the spirit of truth, if you're listening, if you are meditating, if you are seeking, it's going to show you things to come. Probably the greatest um, uh, spiritual growth I had was when I had to drive four hours between here and Benton Harbor for about four years. When, before I took over the church and I was commuting every week and I, I had to drive for four hours, you know what I do? I just meditate. I would put on my gospel music or my scripture and I would just start to think about God's goodness. I told the church one time I had one song going for four hours. Four hours. You know why? Because we get into the spirit, the presence of God, and then he starts to reveal things. He starts to commune with your spirit and reveal things because he said he would show you things to come. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be a channel for God's voice in our lives. But then we have these distractions, and I'm guilty of it. I am. It's so easy to start flicking through, and one thing leads to another, and you start looking at these things, and before you know it, half an hour is gone. (laughs) Because the devil is going to put you to sleep. He wants to do some operation on you. When you wake up, you may be missing a leg or an arm. (laughs) Because that's what they do when they're going to do something painful to you. But the spirit of truth wants us to be awake because very soon there's going to be a cry. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. John 16, 13. This is what I've been talking about. How be it when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of himself. I told the Sunday school about the story of Abraham sending his servant for a wife. And in the story, we never hear the servant's name because he will not speak of himself. See, God set this, this whole parable up of the father, Abraham, sending the servant to go get a wife for his son. And it's only in another chapter we find out the servant's name and it's Eliezer, which means comforter, comforter, helper. And he sent the comforter to go and get Isaac a wife. But we never hear his name because the Holy Spirit is here to give us God's voice. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. So truth eliminates. Truth gives knowledge. But lies and deceptions gives false knowledge. What did Satan say? The day you eat this, you're not going to die. See, he'll give you false knowledge, things that are not true. He will tell you, oh, you look so beautiful. Why you've got something hanging off the back of your skirt. See, what we need to do is to look at the mirror of God's word. 
Because when we hold that up, it's going to give us truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Sometimes this, this world is going to try and put us to sleep. And Jesus told the parable and showed it that even the wise were asleep. They were not listening to what the Spirit was saying until the cry went out. The question is, do you have the oil in the vessel as well as the lamp? Because I'm telling you, we are right on the precipice. People keep asking me, Pastor, what's your timeline? And I hate to tell them because I don't want to be accused of setting dates. But I, I have in my head some, some things that I see happening in this world. The churches are going to be packed the day after the rapture. You know that? Church is going to be full the day after the rapture because everybody will know. Everybody that's in here will know what has happened. You won't have to guess where are all these people gone. And we're getting set up to believe all kinds of things. You see them talking about UFOs and aliens now all the time. Why are they doing that? Because Satan has his plan in action. The Bible in Thessalonians says the mystery of iniquity doth already work and it's only he that withhold will withhold until he be taken out of the way. We need to grab hold of truth today like we never have. We need to grab hold of the core doctrines of our faith, which is you need to repent, you need to be baptized, and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter if I can understand all mysteries, Paul says, and all this other stuff. I need the Spirit of God. I need that Spirit of truth deep in my heart. I need that Spirit of truth to lead me. I need that Spirit of truth to have discernment. I need that Spirit of truth to give me leadership. I need that Spirit of truth to be saved. I'm telling you that we're living on the precipice. We're so close to... What is going to happen that I, I, I don't know where we're still asleep and the voice is going out. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. I've taught before that the important date that we need to know is not when Jesus was born. But the only date that really is cast in scripture pretty firmly and that's when he died. Jesus was about 33 and a half years old. When he died, even if you go by what the date is today, which is what? The full, the, full, the full title of the year, it's in the year of our Lord. In the Latin, Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord, 2023. You know what that means? That means it's 2,023 years since Jesus was born. That's what that means. And if I said that's not the important date, but it's when he died, you add 33 or so years and you see that we're not that far away. From his coming. We're not that far away from his coming. We're going to have some things happen in this country. Let me just go there. I wasn't going to go there, but I'm going to go there. (laughs) We're going to have some things happen in this country that we would not believe could happen. And if you don't have your Holy Ghost. If you don't have your Holy Ghost. If you're not going to hold on. If you're going to be distracted, if you're not going to walk in truth, if you're not going to come before him with an honest heart, as David said, you're going to be in trouble. Let me just say that. I'm not giving any dates, but I'm telling you, we are on the precipice. 
I used to think it's impossible for certain things to happen in America. It can't happen in America. We, we hear about it in other countries. can't happen in America. But I, I've realized it can happen in America. In Revelation, it says, John says, And I saw the souls that had been beheaded for the testimony of Christ. You know what they were crying out? How long, O Lord? Righteous and true before you avenge us. And the Bible says white robes were given to them and they were told to wait until they were joined by their fellow brethren who would be killed in the same manner. So don't think that we're not going to have to go through some stuff. Satan is going to come to you and he's going to say, if thou be a son of God, you're going to have to answer the same question Jesus did. He's going to test your sonship. And if you don't have that spirit that can say, it is written. If you don't have the words to answer, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out the mouth of God. If you don't have that word to say, he shall give his angels charge over thee, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. Unless you have that word, which comes from the spirit, you're going to be in trouble. Amen. Let's stand. This was not a fancy message, but all I am, all I am is a watchman, and my job is to cry aloud. It'd be a sad day to miss out on the next greatest event. Most of you who have been here a long time know my story. I was always raised in the church. And my granddaughter, how old is she? How old is Abby? Seven. Okay. So probably from the time I was seven, I was asking to be baptized. But my father, you know, he, he wanted to make sure I really understood. So he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't baptize me. One, one evening they, they went out to to a prayer meeting and they took too long, at least by my standards. And I'd been thinking about the rapture. I'd heard about the rapture, so I called the police. <laughs> and I told the police, they're gone. <laughs> and they said, why do you think that? And I said, they're not coming back. <laughs> I was smart enough not to try and explain the rapture, but I told the police, they're not coming back. Just as I hung up the phone, here come my parents, and then the police came. <laughs> Boy, they had a lot of explaining to do. Your child said you were gone and not ever coming back. I got them in a lot of trouble. But you know what my dad decided to do? He allowed me to be baptized. <laughs> As a child, I knew that I needed the spirit of truth. I had been taught that ye must be born again. And that without the spirit of God, we are none of his. And that's what I am preaching today. We need the spirit of truth. If you have the spirit of truth, you need to start listening to the spirit of truth. Because he has promised that he's going to guide you into all truth. That he's going to show you things to come. You will get warned. You'll, you'll have knowledge. You know, before, and I'm stopping, before 
God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he had a little conversation that he allowed us to hear. He said to himself, Shall I destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And not let my friend Abraham know? I believe the child of God will get a little bit of warning. I really do. That's just me now. It's not scripture. But I see that he told Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham tried to negotiate for his family. But this time I don't think there will be any negotiation. Bible says in Revelation, let him that is righteous be righteous still. Let him that be filthy or wicked, let him be wicked still. Because he's coming as a thief in the night. I believe we'll get a little notice, maybe, maybe, maybe an hour, maybe, maybe less than that. But I do see where he told Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he even gave a chance for Lot to get ready. Come on, the angel said, look, we can't destroy it till you get out of here. Why aren't you ready? What's wrong with you? Let's not let the distractions put us to sleep. It's time to get serious with your relationship with God. It won't matter if you have a 50-year mortgage, not in my belief. It won't matter if you can't pay off your car note. It won't matter necessarily all these other things. What will matter is, do you have the spirit of truth? Because if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in your mortal body. The Bible says it shall quicken you, make you alive. That's what it's about. I don't want to have to go through what I went through as an eight-year-old and realize or think that I missed it because that was terrible. I was so sure they had gone in the rapture, called the police. <laughs> that shows you I really believed and they had a hard time getting out of that one. So my dad had to baptize me. I'm so glad today that we're going to have the honor of baptizing my granddaughter and her other grandparents are here today. Because she has come to the age of accountability where she understands wrong and right. Amen. We're going to close this service. The altars are open. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite the whole church. Let's all come down here today. On this day, August 13th, in the year of our Lord, 2023, 2023, maybe this will a day that will be in your memory where God changed your direction, where God really grabbed hold of you in a way that he hadn't before where the spirit of truth will redirect your life, where you will grab hold of salvation because he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or, or woman will open unto me, we'll come in and we will die. 
That's what I want God to do. I want to make sure that my relationship with him, there's nothing in between. There is no hindrance. There is just truth. It says he seeketh truth in the inward parts. It's not no shouting message, but anyway, I hope you get these words. We're going to close the service. We're going to all pray. Maybe if you, if it's appropriate, you put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And you pray for them, whatever their situation, whatever their need. And let's come to God in faith and say, Lord, let your spirit of truth manifest in my life. Wake me up from the distractions, the cares of life, the things that come to choke out my soul, to take away my faith, to depress me. I believe today if you will make a choice and if you will honestly come before God today and say, Lord, I need a new direction, I need a new touch, that he will answer your prayer. Like the woman with the issue of blood, just reach out by faith and touch him and claim God's deliverance. If it's healing, he can do it. If it's salvation, he can do it. If it's deliverance, he can do it. If it's finances, he can do it. That Presbyterian pastor, I'm sorry for him. He has not yet met the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. Father, we just come to you today in faith believing. Lord, that you have heard our request. That you have come by this well today. That you are at the well of Rehoboth. Lord, that there are living waters to be had. Lord, that you have made room for each and every one of us. Lord, you know our situation. We come to you in faith right now, Jesus. Lord, for a new direction, for a new touch. Hallelujah, to be wakened up. Lord, to have our lamps trimmed, to be ready. Hallelujah. Oh God, to face whatever is coming. Let your spirit minister to us right now. Let our need be met. Hallelujah, let your Holy Spirit wash over us right now. Whatever it is, Lord, we ask for your cleansing right now, your deliverance right now, your blessing right now. Hallelujah, your healing right now. The finances right now. Hallelujah, the vision right now, the direction right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you right now. Hallelujah, church. You just start praying for the person next to you. Ask God to lay his hands through your hands on their shoulder to bring deliverance, to bring healing. Hallelujah. To bring sustenance. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up our voice. Let us cry aloud. Let us ask God to move in this place. Hallelujah.